Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. You're listening to the Pennsylvania Woodsman, powered by Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network. This show is driven to provide relatable hunting and outdoor content in the Keystone State and surrounding Northeast. On this show, you'll hear an array of perspectives from biologists and industry professionals to average Joes with a lifetime of knowledge. All centered around values aiming to be better outdoorsmen and women, both in the field as well as home and daily life. No clicks, no self-interest, just delight in the pursuit of creation. And now, your host, the pride of Pennsylvania, the man who shoots straight, won't steer you wrong. Johnny Appleseed himself. Mitchell Shirk. Mitchell Shirk. Mitchell Shirk. Mitchell Shirk. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Pennsylvania Woodsman Podcast. Uh, this week I am coming off of the uh, the high of vacation back to reality, but that's okay. Into <clears throat> uh, the month of August here. This is my last free week I have until my wife's field hockey schedule starts up and uh, I bring that up because like then it, it turns into she's a college field hockey coach it's six days a week it's mostly in the evenings so it gets harder with you know a full-time job and kids and stuff it gets harder to like do those last minute preparations and, and plan stuff but I'm still cooking up some stuff and planning some things out here for the last minute I got food plots to plant um I have uh, I have the, the the place out in Western Pennsylvania that I do have a weekend trip planned. I got somebody watching the kids for me that I can go out and get some stands adjusted for me. I'm gonna hang up, I'm gonna set a blind up <clears throat> at the food plot, plant this food plot, uh, move some cameras around, get stuff situated for fall because I probably am not gonna get back out there until the first time I hunt it, and I have no idea when that's gonna be. And uh, then I have the the projects that I always have at home that I keep neglecting. I've been doing a lot of house projects lately, but like now that we're getting closer <clears throat> to hunting season, and I'm thinking about you know how my property would do so much better if I did this, that, and the other thing. Now I'm trying to squeak in those last minute projects. Now I've got the idea I want to get you know potentially get a uh, a front end loader, a little skid loader of some sort, and. Uh, and move some vegetation around and reorient the the uh, orientation. Yeah, reorient the shape of my food plot and kind of make it flow a little bit better. And yeah, just always something. You know, I get these big ideas. I don't know how much of it I'll get done, but of course I'm trying to jam pack as much into the last little bit of free time I have before the season. So we'll see what happens. But I am starting to get a little bit excited. Um, the other thing too that I'm excited about, it is official. I just found out New Jersey has, <clears throat> they have uh, announced a bear hunt. So I am planning to try to squeeze in some scouting missions down there. When? I have no idea. How? I have no idea. When I could hunt it? I still have no idea. I'm just going to roll with it. But that's something I've really wanted to do and I'm excited to do so. That's what's been going on with me. This week, we're not really talking about anything of that matter on this week's show. 
Uh, we are talking with Garrett Rogalski, who is the co-owner of the social media page PA Boys. And Garrett is a die-hard goose hunter. I mean, he, he's a waterfowl hunter, but he's a goose hunter. Like, like nothing, you know, trips his trigger like shooting Canada geese. And this is just an all-around general BS session. We talk about the successes that he had last last year, uh, some of the cool sets they had and learning experiences. We dive into a couple um, what-if situations. We talk about what are some of the biggest things that he wasted money on over the years because waterfowl hunting and goose hunting can get expensive, and we want to know what the – I wanted to know what the, the most essentials – the, the bare essentials would be and uh you know what were some of those things that he might have learned the hard way was probably not a necessary purchase uh we talk a little bit of strategy stuff we talk about some updates happening with the pa boys uh facebook instagram social media pages and uh <clears throat> we talk about what uh, in his mind are some of the holy grails of waterfowl hunting so this is an all-around bs session there's definitely some stuff to pick up if you're interested in waterfowl hunting goose hunting you want to get better at it or you uh, you want to take some advice from somebody who's just lives, eats, sleeps, and breathes goose hunting. Garrett's the man, so check him out. Uh, you know, follow those guys on on social media. And uh, let's get to this episode. First, before we do, let's give our shout out to our sponsors, and that would be Radix Hunting, guys, trail cameras, M Corsell cameras, and Gen 600s. Get them out, get them running get prepped for the season i still say trail cameras are one of the most valuable tools i can have and i want something that's reliable and gives me good image quality and that's where uh, companies like radix come in and they're uh, they're not going to be a company that's going to break your bank you can get multiple trail cameras and you can still be pretty happy with your bank account in the end check out their other accessories from trail camera stick and pick accessories for you know mounts and things like that they've also got the option of checking out their uh they've, they've got monarch hunting blinds sard, uh, soft side hard side and their feeders check them out if that's a, if you're a state that uses feeders for hunting check that out and then also give our shout out to huntworth uh now's the time to do your inventory what you need for the season or if you want to upgrade some stuff and I just purged a whole bunch of stuff that I just felt like I didn't need anymore. I had drawers and totes, plastic totes filled with clothing that I just don't have the need to use anymore. It just takes up space and I don't wear it. Like I've, I've, I've washed it throughout the years and then <clears throat> it sits in the tote all year long and I don't, I don't wear it because I keep going back to stuff that's more comfortable like my Huntworth, like the Elkins stuff that I've been using and the lightweight stuff that I've been using. I love the camo pattern. I love the disruption. Really keeps you hidden. Keeps me comfortable. I'm really comfortable when I'm in the stand, when I'm walking in the mountains. I feel like it's like athletic gear. So check out Huntworth products and all the clothing and accessories they have. And with that, let's get to this episode. So joining us again today on the show for the Pennsylvania Woodsman Podcast, I got Garrett Rogalski back. Garrett, what's going on? Not much about yourself. Hey, we are busy. I just got back from a family vacation. I was telling you I had some headaches recording, but I've been doing all my planning ahead and uh, you know trying to get everything squared away for this fall and episodes. And then with that, I you know that's kind of got me fired up for my fall season. I just did a bunch of camera inventory i had a bunch of trail camera sd cards that i never went through from last year 
And I just went through and was like kind of reliving some of those cameras and looking at them more in depthly from the data aspect of it and trying to use whatever I could for this fall. And I surprisingly enough like got some information that I'm hopefully going to use this fall for my advantage, but I know how that goes. I mean, you make great plans and you know, the deer do what they want to do, but uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's been good. I've been uh, slowly getting anxious for season, but I know your, uh, your season's coming right up around the bend here. Uh, how's, uh, how's the work schedule looking to, to line up for this year's, this year's season? pretty pretty good i mean weekends holidays you know like i changed an excavation job so it's kind of depends on the day we, we're going to try to have as much as possible we're going to go for five hundred this year so gotcha so yeah i remember last year when we were talking with you uh work kind of you know took a back burner throughout the season so some changes in life have uh, made that a little bit more difficult yep absolutely <laughs> how's but, the how's the mental state behind that right now as in, I said, uh, I said, what's your what's your mental state, your thought process behind that? Because that's a big change. Like I know, like I'll speak for myself personally. Like when everything else in life gets in my way of what I'd like to do or want to do, it, sometimes it's just hard to overcome that and and like stay mentally positive or focused. So like, how are you fine tuning that? Are you picking specific times that you really want to go, or do you have some some bigger trips lined up? Um. So. Last year, middle of December, we went to New York with Final Flight out or Final Flight Outdoors Outfitters, Final Flight Waterfowl Outfitters, and we went up on a diver hunt on Ontario. We did, you know, a pretty good shoot. I think we killed like 15 ducks in two days or something. But all the ducks we don't get to shoot around here. Uh, we were gonna go to Arkansas for flooded timber ducks this year, but everybody's schedule kind of got goofed up and moved. So we're gonna hopefully go next year for it. And then I just got a phone call about 15 minutes before I in this meeting saying, hey, you want to go back up there to New York next year on a snow goose duck hunt? So that's about the only thing that's on my itinerary this year, for now at least. Good deal. Good deal. And then, of course, you're uh, you're going to be going around the local flyways as much as you possibly can? We got, we've got we got a lot locked down this year. I mean, we have, we have probably double what we had last year, and everything last year that was normally good to us was beans this year's back to corn so like i said we're going for a high we did we shot 313 last year so we're going for five to six hundred i can't even imagine and fathom that i mean that's uh that's a lot of steel shot to be going through <laughs> I mean, it's not like it's one or two guys going out and killing that many but it's every time we we had a 57 shoot last year probably second week in september and we killed 57 with two bands, a four-year-old from West Virginia, a six-year-old from north up to Bayou Erie. And then it was kind of like hit and miss, like 10 here, 15 here, you know, 20 here. And then we had, we had another big shootout. We killed 37. And then the last, I mean, just odds, it was like 15, 20 stacked here and there. What, what, what we could get. And then the last day of the season, we had, we had a pretty good finish off. We killed 30, 30 even. We killed a 14-year-old band up by Erie. So. So, so when I think about my fall and how I plan my vacation and my time off, I usually plan it around uh, specific windows of, of times I like to hunt. Like for, for me, if I'm picking times for October – 
or for archery season, there's a, a few specific times to the tail end of October. I really like to hunt and if I can help it, I won't miss it. And then I always make sure I designate some time for the first week of rifle season, just because I have some, some family hunts that I like to do. Uh, yeah. but when it, when it comes to like that archery stuff, like there's, there's two weeks this year that I'm going to really try to hone in on and be prepared to go hunting and use some vacation on just because I think that's when I have the best history of maybe potentially connecting with one of those bucks. So with that in mind, do you have any kind of time frame that you really like to want, like really want to hit it hard when it comes to duck and geese hunting? Is it the first time's the best time just from that pressure aspect or, uh, or, or is there a little bit more to it in your mind than that? So usually the first like two weeks, it, it's a good time to go because all the geese are, you know, they're just coming off summer pattern. They're used to people golfing around them, fishing around them. They're a little bit dumber in the first two weeks, and then they start wising up. And then if we get a big cold front come from the north, lots of snow or real cold, lots of wind, it'll push them down from Canada. So we try to, you know, anticipate when one of them is going to come last year, right around Christmas. And we, we, we shot, oh, I missed that. We shot a six-man, like, 35 minutes after shooting, like, we were done and out, backed up with a six-man. But it was cold front on New Year's Eve. It got real cold, and all the birds came down, and next morning we set up, and we were done in 30 minutes. And that, and that was all kind of given because weather fronts pushed in a bunch of birds that weren't local to the area, I'm, I'm assuming? We, we think so. The, one of our one of the kids that hunts with us lives not very far, so he drove by. He's like, hey, there's a bunch of geese, you know. This has been cut for two months. Like, I haven't seen any geese in here. And then he goes by the next day, and he's like, dude, they're back in here. we got to hunt it. And it just so happened to be New Year's Day. And we went in there, and it was a massacre. Yeah, everything you dream about when it comes to being a waterfowl hunter, right? It was. So we've never shot a field mallard around here. It's like ducks in a dry field. And we set up, and you know, everybody stands around the blinds for a couple minutes, like looking, making sure everything's all right, and, you know, adjusting little stuff. We heard a quack. And it was foggy, rainy, you know, just nasty. And we heard a quack, and we all started looking around. There's this mallard just coming into it. So I hit the ground, and our, my buddy Jimmy, he's like, is it time yet? And I clicked my phone, and it was one minute after shooting time. He pulled the trigger, and it was nonstop from then for 30 minutes. And we were done. Six guys packed up, pictures in the trailer, and got down the road. Mm. It was, I probably spent a total of five minutes in my layout line. We'd shoot a couple of geese. I'd go to get one. More would come in. I'd just lay down. And they'd shoot them up just back and forth. So it, that was probably the best hunt we had all year. There was probably more time spent in your decoy spread than there was actually hunting at that point. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I bet you for probably 30, 25 or 30 of them, 35 minutes, I was laying out in the decoy spread just watching geese get shot. <laughs> so it, was, it was a good time. We, were, it was, we went and had breakfast. And it was a good, good deal. We kind of hunted it the next day and there wasn't a bird in sight yeah it was super foggy and not, not, not a, we couldn't hear a thing couldn't see a thing so it was it's all hit and miss how many times do you get to see the stars align in such a situation like that throughout a given season or out throughout a couple of given seasons um about 50 50 to be honest with you i know two years ago we had one of our guys was driving up to camp and we, me and three other guys hunted in the morning, and we shot like two or three. It was like, oh, you know, something to do on the weekend. And he drove past the two we permission on, and he said there was geese piling in there. So this was like 11, 30, 12 o'clock when they go hit water, 
and then they go back to feed. Usually the same place they, you know, where he's seen them when he was driving past. So we went up, and it was it was like 80 degrees. It was end of September. It was the last day of early season, and we went up, and we just we had all the decoy bags and everything because it was probably a 200 yard walk uphill. We couldn't drive in this field, so we're carrying stuff, and it strikes the thunder and lightning. So we're like, we'll just go sit in the truck until it calms down a little bit. We go set the decoys, and we looked up, and there's five cruising down into the spread. So we went up, we shot one out of that five, and then it was just chaos. We killed 31 of the band off that dude. So. Hmm. So a lot, like, you know, like a lot of other people talk about, weather has a huge impact for it. It does. It does and it doesn't. It's, I mean, if you're hunting local birds, not really, but if you're hunting migrators, getting pushed from the weather... That's, that's a big fact. It's just like deer hunting. You know, cold fronts make big bucks come. So cold fronts make geese and bucks come. Yeah, speaking of that, I mean, I can th- I, going through those trail camera pictures this this uh, the past few weeks, I really noticed there was a couple of windows when I had amplified deer movement, amplified daylight movement. I traced that back to what the weather was doing, and there was a lot of uh, peaks and valleys in temperature at those points. Yeah. And every time that, you know, you know, there was a couple-day window, it was right around a cold front. It might not have been spot on, but it might have been, you know, the, the beginning half or the tail end of that cold front. And that kind of really got me excited. And I keep thinking ahead, too, like I wonder what the future is going to hold for this season. I mean, I know it's it's always a new season. There's always new, you know, new beginnings in that. But, uh you know, anything that could be similar in replication might lead to, to, you know, that data being used. So I was kind of curious about decoys. I was thinking about this the other day. We were, I was talking with some friends of mine and, and the, the visual acuities of different game. Um, you know, there's a lot of people throughout the country that talk about hunting deer, elk, and moose and stuff like that, that you don't really need special camouflage. You can go out with solid patterns you know stuff like that and you can get away with murder as long as you're still in play of the wind but yeah. uh in, in talking with that you know there's other species like birds that have incredible eyesight and you know geese are not sub- subject and neither are, are ducks i mean they've got fantastic yeah. eyesight Absolutely. and uh you know i've always made fun of a lot of my friends who are waterfowl hunters because of how specific they can get with their decoy spreads and you know some people like to use silhouettes some people you know only use specific brands some people only use um you know taxidermy mounted decoys if they've got the the investment that they're willing to do so i just kind of wanted to dive into that with you a little bit because um everybody's got their own perspective so i tell I tell everybody that wants to get into it, I said it's not about, you know, how you set your decoys, it's not about how much money you got in your decoys, it's about the hide. If you can be, if you can look no different than the ground you're laying on at all, I mean, if you, you know, say somebody just walked past and you weren't moving, they'd walk right past it, that's the big deal. You could have 10 decoys out, you could have 100 dozen decoys out. I mean, 100 dozen is going to kill you more than 10 just from the sight, seeing them up in the air. You know, 100 dozen, that's a lot of decoys. But, it's, it's more so the hide than the decoys. That's pretty much what I tell everybody. But we run we run old school Bigfoots, Bigfoot full bodies, and dive bomb silhouettes. And it, it's fun for us every year. We've killed geese over silo, we've killed geese over full bodies, floaters. What, I mean, what, we've killed geese over pretty much every spread. I don't think last year we had one hundred more guns done. So. Talk a little bit more about camouflaging in a blind because, I mean, 
the first thought that comes to my mind is if you're sitting in a cut cornfield, or a, I should say a pick cornfield, not a cut cornfield in the sense of like silage. You know, if it's yeah. a if it's a pick cornfield that you've got a lot of stover and corn fodder out there, in my mind, it's pretty easy to have enough cover there to blend in. However, there's probably a lot of other situations in which you're gonna you're gonna blind yourself, and it, it can be hard to figure out what you're going to going to use. So talk a little bit more, like how do you prepare? Do you scout an area out to have know what you need or, or bring material with you sometimes in those situations where it might be void in a field? So we go, usually the first two weeks, everything's still pretty green. And I believe it's called pompous grass or Raphael grass. It's that real tall decorative bushes. Yeah. Everybody burns towards the end of the, you know, when it starts to get fall. So we go around, we're like, hey, we'll cut it, we'll clean it up, and we'll take it away for you. And we blind all of our A-frames or our, you know, or our layoffs with it. And that does this, it ages, if we cut it about within the week, early season starting, it'll last us, and it'll it'll age with everything else. Like, it'll start turning yellow, it'll start turning brown with everything else. And we just leave that on there as, like, uh, a filler cover. And then say, say we go to a... Uh, cut hay field, and we're gonna hunt out of panels. So you already got all that green tall grass, and you just go around. It depends what kind or who cuts it or how they cut it or whatever. But most of the time, you just take a big yard rake and rake piles of it up, and then you just fill in. I mean, you want to look as close to what you're sitting in as you possibly can. But like, uh, we have this one pond. There's no there's corn fields all around it, but it's probably 60 yards from the pond. From like the closest part of the corn, but there's a row of pine trees. And every time we hunt it, we hunt panels because the way the pine trees is cut, you can put the panels in, and it's like a solid wall of pine trees. We'll go, we'll go roam around until we find somebody's got a bunch of pine trees, or you know, whoever's got them on their property, they don't want them, and we'll chop all the branches off of them, and then we'll just blind the panels in with all of them. That's one of the times we have to take take it with us because if we chop it off the pine there, it ruins our cover, and we don't want to, you know, piss the wind out at all. Right. So you're, I mean, I'm assuming, you know, we talked last year and we were talking about how you gauge where you're going to sit next few days. And a lot of it comes with some hard scouting. So in a situation like that, are you just having to, to play yourself like at the last minute and like, I got to have that option for planning that out? It's, like I said, a lot of these fields we've hunted in the past, so we already know where we you try to set up right in the middle of the gates, if that makes sense. So, uh, like I said, we've hunted a bunch of these fields already, so we kind of know where, you know, where the geese are going to be, where they're not. They, they tend to not like trees, but we've killed them out of tree rows before. But, but you want to set in a place, preferably as high as you can go. Like, if you're at the top of the hill, you know, the birds would say they're 50 yards down the hill. If you set a big enough spread at the top of the hill, they're going to see it and want to get up there. So it's just all, you know, you got to play wind into the back. you got to play where the birds were, everything like that. So, What's, What, in your mind, is the reason for that high point advantage? You know, like I think a lot of time in turkey hunting, I always want to be at the top side just because I can't call birds downhill. It's just as simple as birds don't have the comfortable way of landing if they're on a side hill or in a lower section. They, how do I put this? They can see it from, like, I'm a firm believer in a flag. I don't know if you've ever seen a goose flag or not. You can turn birds from a mile and a half away if they can see that flag. So the mm-hmm. higher you are, the higher up you are, the better chance of them seeing it. And if 
typically if they if they're landing on a hill and you're not hunting it, they'll land at the top, they'll feed their way down into the bottom and they'll take off. And then the next time they come back they'll start at the bottom and feed their way back up the other hill. Or you know, flat or whatever it is on that. Yeah, that's a perfect example of how good eyesight is on birds too because i have been goose hunting and seen that situation where you'll be uh you know looking i'll never forget the one of the first times i ever went they were glassing uh across a highway and it was easily over a mile we could see birds and uh the flick of a flag a couple times and they turned on a dime and i was like dumbfounded that from that far away you were gonna have that much of an impact on a flock of geese i used to think the flags were you know they ruined the hunt because you know if they're laying out a black thing laying on the ground, it's going to ruin it. And last year was a true statement to it. We used a flag on it with every hunt we killed. Like I said, we had a 60 shoot. We had two big 30 shoots, a couple 20s, and all these birds were a long way away. You just pick the flag up. And we hunted, we hunted a lot last year out of um, A-frames a lot because you got more room. You can stand and, you know, talk. And it's it's kind of hit and miss. It's, there's much more room than laying in the layout. Mm-hmm. You can put a hold, you can put a buddy heater in there. It blocks a lot of the wind. <laughs> but we use like 10 foot PVC, 1 inch PVC pipes painted them black and suck the flag in the end. So if we were down in the valley, so about 10 extra foot above your head. And it makes it look like a goose can fly in the higher up you can get that flag. So. Yeah, that, so you're talking about using tools for, for the given situation, right? And, you know, I think a lot of time when, when, uh, we, we get a lot of this in the hunting industry, in the hunting world, where you'll, you'll get people who will who'll shout always to something and never to another. And, and I feel like that a lot of the time that's not the case. It's just using the tool for the for the right time in a situation. The example I'll think of is like food plots with whitetails. Like if you are if you have a property that you're going to maximize late season, that's your best opportunity. And I'm not going to cater my food plot program to alfalfa. You know, I want something that's going to be winter hardy, that's going to stand volume for, for late season. You know, there's yep. a lot of other options where you talk about so so talk about uh using tools for the given situation you talked about people that would you know typically and you even said about flags not being something you would use much are there other things within waterfowl hunting uh, goose and duck hunting that people would would kind of shy away from but in your mind it's a tool to use at the right time yeah it's, a, it's a, definitely a right time right place that, that we had last year I'm not, I'm not terribly big into duck hunting. Like, I'm a, I'm a goose hunting guy. That's, that's my go-to. But I like duck hunting. Don't get me wrong. I just, like, I haven't, I haven't had as many good, I think I said this last podcast, I haven't had as many good duck hunts as I've had Canada hunts. Mm-hmm. Canada hunts. become my favorite. But I bought a, a jerk rig last year. And it worked pretty good. We killed, it wasn't a big limit. It was this little tiny ice hole right around Christmas when everything was froze. But this was like a natural spring, so it stayed open. And there was probably 600 ducks in this pond, and it was no bigger than a full-size pickup truck. I mean, it was just a tiny little thing. We we whiffed on a pintail, which we still think about. We killed a banded black duck. We killed a black duck mallard hybrid, and then a greenhead lemon fruit. I think we got four or five ducks, but it was just the dark drink did it because it looked like you know motion in the water, pulsator. And there's not much in the goose hunting realm that. It's not been used, tested, you know, have their opinion. People have their opinions on them already or not. Like flags and flappers for Canada, at least. I know, like, people with snow goose hunt, they use them, uh, oh, how was it called? Cyclones or whatever. They're like a big tower and the birds rolling around. And 
look like first line, but it's just not it's not practical for us to buy one of the cocaine that we can kill pile or whatever. You know, just simple decoys and call them. All right, folks, it's that time of year for fall food plot planning, and this year I'm proud to be working with Vitalize Seed. I work with them because they're great people and they're extremely passionate about wildlife and soil health. My fall food plots will be planted in Vitalize's Carbon Load, a 16-way diverse mix that is highly attractive to whitetails and has countless benefits to soil and soil health. If you've ever been overwhelmed by the hundreds of different seed blends on the market, check out Vitalize's 1-2 planning system. It's designed how nature intended, to make biology work for you. Now each plant species in the blend has the proper ratio of seed to grow synergistically, not allowing any to outcompete another. This provides season-long forage for wildlife as well as benefiting the soil biome. There's no need for complex crop rotations with monocultures that are susceptible to drought and overbrowsing. Whether you plant with fancy no-till equipment or a bag spreader and a lawnmower, Vitalize can work in any food plot. For more information about Vitalize and soil health practices, visit VitalizeSeed.com and be sure to follow them on Instagram and Facebook. So where do you think the best money is spent when it comes to people who are getting excited and they want to grow? Because um, another thing I will say, too, within the hunting industry is there are people out there that can (laughs) – lack of a better term, they can sell a ketchup popsicle to a lady in white gloves. You can sell you something you really don't need, even though you believe you need it. Um, talk a little bit about like, like what's, what's the, what's the meat and potatoes versus the, the icing on the cake type stuff. Uh, so you need a good call and you got to learn how to use it. Good. Um, a good blind, what I tell people, a good blind and, you know, if you're starting out and you're going to do it by yourself, you need, like, one to two dozen decoys, a good blind, warm clothing, and uh, that's, that's about it. And a good call to blow, if you know how to blow one. But, yeah, that's that, that would make sense to me. I mean, I just feel like there's so many gadgets, gizmos, and gimmicks out there that it's really hard to uh, see past it. Yeah, like I've had... I'm probably the person that's had the most money spent trying to figure out what I like. So, you know, some people argue Hoyt, Matthews, Poe Company, stuff like Chevy Dodge. And I've had, the first year I bet you I had nine shotguns. And it was like, I couldn't swing this one good, I didn't like it. This one jammed and had a bunch of problems when it got cold. And so on and so forth. And it's kind of a, you know... What fits me the best, I guess. Like I said, I've had nine shotguns. I've probably had 10 or 11 blinds. It's just all a matter of what you like. Like, I like Winchester shotguns. And once I've bought one of them, I've never... I've shot Benelli's. I've shot Mossberg's. I've shot, you know, pretty much every shotgun brand there is to shoot. And Winchester's my bread and butter. Just like the blinds we bought. You know, I've had a Drake blind. I hated it. I sold it. It's just... Just no matter what you like. I bought a kickback pair last year from Dive Bomb, and it's pretty much the lace of my chair with a blanket on it. And it works pretty good, but it's when it's cold, it's it doesn't do you as well as an ace, or a layout blind does. The layout blocks a lot of the wind. So. so, so continuing down that topic of you know gadgets and gimmicks, and you said you've you've probably been somebody that has spent more money than anybody trying to figure out what you like. What were some of the some of the things that stand out in your mind of gear? that you take that was just 
a mistake and like <laughs> worst learning experiences ever from from your own personal experience. So I came across a Beretta Extrema two three and a half inch twelve gauge, and at the time I was just using a cheap Mossberg, and I was like, this is you know this is a three and a half goose gun. It was like carrying a ten foot two by eight anywhere you went. It weighed so much, but man, you could not kill that gun. You could throw it in the mud, throw it in the pond, pick it up, and it would run all three shells to it. But it was just so heavy that it wasn't practical. Like when you come out of a layout line, you're trying to be fast and pop up and shoot. It was like trying to like lug a ten foot two by eight out, get it centered up, and then start squeezing. That was that was another that was one that I. Actually, my buddy still has, I sold it to one of my buddies, and he loves it, which I don't know a lot of it. Um, what, else, what else is kind of gimmick that works? I shouldn't have never bought this. Um, that's probably the number one thing. I mean, the rest of them I've, I've bought, but like, I don't like this, and then sold it, so I didn't, you know, I didn't lose a bunch of money on it. It wasn't like a true hatred, but that Beretta was, it was a good gun. It got me through the first first two years I was serious into it, but I'll never own another one again. Gotcha. Anyway, continue down the road. You're talking about shotguns, and I, I know you kind of landed on your your you know I'd call it your old Bessie. You talked about that last year a little bit, but tell me a little bit about um, patterning from a perspective of ducking geese. I mean, I've patterned turkey guns many times, and pretty much my thing is tightest pattern at the furthest distance, and I'm happy. But yeah. um, you know, there's probably a little bit more angles that you're going to look at that from duck and geese hunting so what are you looking at as far as pattern and how are you adjusting that or, or, or do you have to adjust that throughout the season and the type of hunting you do so it it depends i know most people they say you know you're hunting ducks you want a modified choke or an improved cylinder something that widens your pattern out because they're so small and they fly so fast but i shoot a full or an extra full all year i shoot it for dove i shoot it for pigeon i shoot it for duck and i shoot it for geese but you get so accustomed to shooting that pattern when it comes out that you know, you know, this, okay, a wood duck flies faster than a mallard. I got to lead them by this much farther. You know, a mallard, big duck, you know, I have to lead them by yay far. So, but it's, it's all a matter of what, what you're comfortable with. Like I shoot an extra full or a full all year. How was that? No idea. Me neither. Um, I shoot an extra four or four all year, so it, it. I went to a skeet shoot two years ago with a bunch of skeet shoot guys. That's all they do is skeet shoot, and they got ten, fifteen thousand dollar over under guns. And they're like, okay, we got to switch from a mod to an improvised cylinder and improved mod for this station. And I just load the old Winchester up with the extra full choke in it, and they're a bunch of my buddies, so it's not like you know I wasn't wasn't grief on them. They're like, what that choke got that gun? I was like, an extra full. And I think I shot a 92 out of 120. I beat all them guys with their big money shotguns and painted jokes like that. Tried and true reason for it is it's, it's the indie and it's not the arrow. It's how much time you spend shooting that. I said, if, if you just leave this judgment one with it, you'll never have to change it out. you never have to change your lead. You know, I mean, you have to change your lead, but you're never going to have to, you know, okay, I need a mod for this one because it's close station. You just got to hold, you know, you just got to make sure you're right on the beat with the with the clay so that's that's pretty much it i mean that's i'm probably the worst person to talk about that because i shot a full or an extra full since i started yeah but you know i'm so glad you brought that up because 
I'll never forget. So one of the places that I work is very close to a well-known uh, bird game farm and has you know skeet and stuff like that. And uh, I have you know some of my my clients that have gone there, and they, they said we've gone with our friends and we shoot our our junky old you know eight seventies or Mossbergs or whatever, and you're you're shooting with guys that you know have fancy over under shotguns. And he said we'll we'll stick right with them just because that's what we're used to. And I, I think it's the the Indian, not the arrow, is a is a big statement because that holds true not just within a shotgun. That's every weapon we use. Get familiar with the weapon you use practice with different loads like one one perfect thing that comes to my mind that i really want to improve as the indian is my flintlock muzzleloader i shoot it well but i'm not shooting it as well as i want to shoot it and i think fine-tuning the load for that gun is going to make me that much more confident and i know that it's going to be the indian in in the end of it do you have a big problem flinching when you fire it so right now, I think my biggest problem, flinching really isn't my problem. I've, I've spent a lot of time on the bench, um, you know, without a load and just, just putting priming powder in and shooting. And I've done that a few hundred times. I probably should do it a few hundred more. Um, my biggest thing right now, believe it or not, is having confidence in my iron sight, sight picture past 50 yards and also having enough confidence that the load that I'm putting in the gun is going to be give me a consistent thing. Because one thing I've learned, you know, you know, you think about hand loading a centerfire rifle. You know, guys that are, are coming up with a load to try to get a group that's going to be able to, you know, three shot cover with a quarter or a nickel or yep. whatever, you know, get stuff like that. Um, when you're doing it with a muzzle loader, you are making a hand load every time that you load that gun. So the amount of powder, uh, the the the, the thickness of patch, the the yeah. weight of your, your ball. I Right now I shoot for hunting. I'm shooting uh, a Great Plains Hornady Sabbat, and it shoots good. But I want to make sure that I make a load that um, is going to shoot as tight as can be. Then I think it comes down to me making sure that my sight picture is good. I was shooting a, uh, a peep sight for a while just because i love the view of a peep sight i shoot a peep sight on my bow i love that aiming concept the problem is i couldn't find a peep sight that would hold up in the places i would hunt i broke two of them and i didn't want to do it so i'm back to you know using your standard open sights and i I just can't lie i'm not the greatest shot with it and it's 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 again it comes back to me practicing and having confidence and again any weapon we use that's a big deal absolutely i know I don't. I don't vary from ammo either. I buy the same ammo, the same shot sizes every year. I shoot Federal Speedshock three and a half number twos for geese. And I shoot number fours, Federal Speedshock three and a half inch number fours for ducks. What made you land on that in the first place? I started shooting Black Cloud when I first started, and this was back before all the you know Corona started, and ammo through the roof. Well, you can buy a case of Black Cloud for like 259 bucks. That's 250 shots, and it'd last me about a year and a half when I first started. And most of it was just whipping into the air. So, And then they didn't have Black Cloud for... I needed a case of ammo, and they didn't have it. And I shot Rio. Rios were good, but they were super dirty. Like, I'd have to clean my gun four or five times a year. I hardly 
I think I clean my gun once a year, and it's only when something like it falls in the mud, you know, something that it needs to be cleaned for it. But um, then I bought a case of speed shot, and I never had a jam, I never had a click, and it would shoot every round I put through it. Dirty, clean, cold, hot, never missed a beat. And it patterns good, so that's what I just stuck with. Hmm. And that was, uh, like, did you do, like, like, did you pattern those loads and, like, we're looking for something specific, or it was just, that's what the dial landed? <laughs> that's pretty much it. Like, as honest, as weird as it sounds, I've probably never patterned a waterfowl shotgun in my life. Okay. I just, you know, take it out hunting. If it does okay at this distance, but it does crap at this distance, I don't like it. It changed something until I start, I mean... Last year on that last day hunt, everybody knows that you pick my gun up, and everybody likes to shoot far birds with it because it's an extra pull, and I shoot big, heavy leads. You can reach out and poke one at 60, 50 to 60 yards. And we had this bird last year, and there was a big row of houses on our right. And this goose landed, and everybody else cut loose on him on the left-hand side. I'm like, I'm going to kill that goose by the time he gets out of the spread. And the guy was sitting next to me in the A-frame. I'm leading it, leading it, and it's still in line with the houses, and by the time it got out of the range of the houses, like in, in the sight picture, it was probably 65 yards. I just squeezed the trigger, the goose fell to the ground. So I know, like, people, when we duck hunt, or if this year I got a dog, so it's going to change the cripple aspect. So I know when people would run out to get a cripple and it was still very much alive, they'd be like, give me your gun, because I know I can, you know, I can knock them over at 60 yards and not let them give them a chance to run. But that's... Three, number twos and number fours, that's, that's done me good. So that's what I've sucked through. I mean, like, close geese, it's kind of a massacre. Like, you know, if they land anywhere between 10 and 15 yards and we call it, by the time they get off the ground and I'd squeeze the trigger, it turns into a pillowcase. Mm. I mean, it, it just decimates them. But 20 to 50, it puts them to the ground and doesn't hurt them. Like, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't implode them. But like I said, 20 to 50, it's a tax driving job. It'll, it'll stack. Never miss a beat, you know. If you don't have to shoot these for an extra full when you get a bird at 50 yards, pull the trigger, it's going to fall over. I just truly think it's amazing the technology and how far we've come with shotguns and load development. And I come from it from a turkey hunting aspect because that's what I do mostly. But, I mean, some of the the loads that we're shooting now for turkeys are, are absolutely insane. And uh, I would assume that it would have to be no different from the the small uh, you know small game and waterfowl aspect of it. But you brought up a dog, so first year with a dog. Tell me a little bit about that. What was that process like? Uh, actually, I just saw him like three months ago. So and guy I work with, he's like, hey, you know, I can't take this dog anymore. So um, big big long story, but he's like, I need to rehome it, and he's like, I know you do hunt and duck hunt and pigeon hunt and dove hunt. Do you want them? And I was like, absolutely, I'll take him 100%. And he is the most driving dog I've ever seen, ever. We took him pigeon hunting, and he, he doesn't watch you, he watches the tip of the gun. Wherever the gun's pointing, that's where he's going as soon as you shot your ball, and you let him out. And he, we cut loose in this group of pigeons, and he, he was, I sent him as soon as I called the first, you know, as soon as I shot the first shot, and he went out, grabbed one, brought it back, went out and grabbed another one before we were even done shooting. So, I mean, it's. I think it's going to be a good year because I know a lot of a lot of last year my time spent was picking up cripples, mm. you know, laying out in the field while watching the rest of them shoot geese. So it's the dog's going to change a whole whole different ballgame this year. That's good. Is that uh, is that a lab? Yeah, he's a two year old chocolate lab. Oh man, 
he just had puppies. Two, oh, he got started out to a yellow. He's he's a two-time champ, AKC certified champ, and the mom was a one-time, and they just had eight chocolate lab puppies. So that's five available to anybody that's looking for one. <laughs> there you go, everybody. If you're listening to this and you're looking for uh, you're looking for a new bird dog to train, that's uh, give Garrett a call. <laughs> he's, he's a pretty good dog. Good deal. Yeah, that's an exciting. That, you know, every time you get some kind of improvement like that, that's exciting. I've never, I've hunted around dogs, but I've never owned one, so it's it's a whole different ball game for me. You know, i i call the I call the shots in the blind. Like everybody's waiting on me to say, you know, shoot them, whatever. So this year, it's kind of like I don't know what I'm gonna do the first volley. Like, do I hold the dog and watch see how he does, or do I call shoot him and pop up and start banging away with everybody else? So just kind of play it by ear. I mean, he's. He knows how to hunt. He knows how to track blood for deer. He, he's a bird dog all together. We'll just have to see what, what the season's like. I think the first time, the only thing I'm kind of worried about is I don't know how many guys he's hunted with. Like, we religiously hunt with six to 12 guys. And depending on how big of a feed we have, it's six to six, 12 guys all the time. I'm just worried about, you know, 12 guys cutting loose on that many three-and-a-half-inch shells. You know, what's he going to do, or is it not going to phase him, and he's just going to go right back to what he knows? Mm. Do you think so, you'll gra- you Do you think you'll try to like ease into that the first couple go arounds? Um, I'm not sure yet. Like I said, it's kind of a play it by year. Like we hunted, we had six guys in that pigeon hunt, and he never missed a beat when we all unloaded the guns. So, but I don't know. Just kind of have to see it by year. You know, worst comes to worst, I'll put the gun down and just work the dog. Right. So I have no problem doing it at all. Right. So, man, uh, switching gears a little bit, I want to talk a little bit about PA Boys. So, uh, you know, that's the Instagram uh, page that you're part of, and yep. a lot of big, cool stuff happening there. Can you uh, can you touch base on that for us a little bit? So, in March, we attended our second annual second annual Fairfield Outdoor Show um, with our new picked up sponsor, H3 Game Calls. They make turkey calls, deer calls. You know, they're, they're trying to do a little bit of everything. We just came out, they just came out with coffee. So they do all the calls. We went there for three days. We had an excellent time. And that relationship's like two peas in a pod. You know, they help us out. We scratch their backs back and forth. Um, we've had, we've had antler king since the same time, which I'm not too big of a deer hunter, but this year I did put, I broke down. I put a food plot in. And for once, it's going to be a hard year to determine if I want a deer hunter duck hunt for the first couple weeks. I got, Nine or ten big 120 to 160 inch shooters in that food plot almost every day. So it's, it's, I'm kind of hard stuck. I'm, I'm still going to try to shoot one in that one week between early duck and opener archery. But if not, I might, like I said, but, um, so I put an Antler King food plot in and it's produced. It's, I go, forget, I think it's called Honey Hole is the bag I use. It's all clover. And they have decimated it. I double planted it so it was extra thick and bushy. And uh, we just picked up Kicks Choke Tubes as a sponsor. Which I mean, if you know anything about Choke Tubes, everybody knows who Kicks is or has heard of Kicks. So, and then so we've had a pretty good year. We're 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 getting names. You know, people know who we are. Just bring up a logo or you know, saying, "Hey, do you know so and so?" They're like, "Yeah, they're part of the A Boys." It's been good for us. We're, we're pushing like twenty five K followers across the board. Exciting stuff. Absolutely. We're doing our own podcast actually. There's actually one airs tonight with uh, Sheep Guide. 
yeah, how's the uh, how's the podcasting game been for you? Because that's a, that's a whole new avenue of content. So it's I don't do anything with it. Like it's not my forte. I'm not a tech guy. Like I know how to run. I know how to get on one of these, and I know how to social media. But I'm not a podcast guy. Our one guy does it all. I think we've had ten or twelve episodes, and they've done you know all right. I wouldn't say they're doing great, but they're doing fifty to a hundred saves, you know, views, listens, whatever you want to call it. But they're doing pretty good. We're trying to keep that steady once a week. We got um, we got some big names. Tim Andrews of Real Street. He's jumping on for a podcast. Mike Larson of Final Flight. Can't speak highly enough to him. He runs a hell of a show up in New York. If you, if you want to go on a hunt, go to New York with Mike. Uh, Bobby Hart of Bobby Hart Custom Rifles. Long range rifle build. He's jumping on one. Uh, Jerry Lemon. Used to be on Fox, or is still on Fox Pro. Was on Predator Quest. He's one of our staff guys, actually. So we got we got a bunch of big names, and it's it's done us pretty good. We've met some big names and talked to some cool people about jumping on. Fantastic. Yeah, keep up the good work. There's a lot of great content over your guys' way. I wanted to ask this question too. Back, kind of going back to waterfowl a little bit. So when people in the bow hunting community and the whitetail hunting community start talking about you know, what is the the ultimate when it comes to North American whitetail hunting? And, you know, most people, and not everybody, most people are going to say Iowa, Illinois, Kansas, you know, yeah. stuff like that. A lot of that mis- Midwest, you know, uh, I, I guess you call them fantasy land states. And that's kind of like, in a lot of people's mind, the holy grail of whitetail hunting. So where does that land with you when it comes to goose and or duck hunting? So, PA is not a state known for waterfowl. Like, you know, like I have, you know, I have a TikTok and people say it says, it says waterfowl on it. And they're like, where are you from? I'm like, Pennsylvania. And they're like, that's not a, you know, that's not. People say the same thing about deer. Like, we don't kill big deer here. Yeah, we do. Just they're not as much as we go out there in the way Iowa, Kansas. So, it, it's hard because there's so many good places. You know, it's it's what flyway you're in, I should say. Like, the middle flyway is probably the best. The central flyway is probably the best one to be in. I mean, you know, if you go into Canada, that's some of the best duck hunting in the world. Uh, the capital of duck hunting. And I know you go down to West Texas and East Texas and um, uh, Cadillac Creek Outfitters and them guys down there, they run a show. And I mean, it's all geese all the time. And they do, I, I don't know an exact number, but they be Five to ten thousand east, west Texas is, or east Texas or south Texas or whatever. Texas is flat, so there's lots of agriculture. That's you know that whole that whole center flyway is probably your best bet. Mm. The, the promise. I mean Missouri, the Dakotas. The Dakotas are good for duck hunting. I've never been there, but I, I want to. Arkansas, I've been there for snow geese and seen the ducks there. That's that's incredible. And just, just no matter what you're around, I guess. Like when we went to New York, there was ducks everywhere and geese everywhere. They do some of the best snow goose hunting in Canada hunting, you know, this side of the state or this side of the U.S. Just no matter what you're around. Do snow geese get you excited as much as Canada geese? From the sheer aspect that snow geese a lot of time are going to be a little bit later in the season, so it's almost like second wind. So we, I, I've killed one snow goose in western Pennsylvania. And it was it was in a group of Canada's 
and we all thought it was a little cystic Canada, like an all white Canada. And we pulled up, and everybody focused on that bird. And as soon as it hit the ground, we started going to the rest of them. But um, it's there's something something about unplugged. Like I know when I went to Arkansas for it, unplugged, no limit, shoot as many as you possibly can. That is something else. You put a 10, 15 round extension tube on there, and you got you dump a box of shells into a group of birds, and they just fall. It's it is something. If you've never experienced it and you want to, go do it. You won't you won't regret it one bit. Yeah, I, I can't imagine like I've seen videos of people doing that and the gosh, the amount of steel shot that they fling out there in, in in three and three and a half inch, like I feel like I would need shoulder surgery. The the last time I went to Arkansas, I took a brand new unopened case and I came home with two boxes. Two singular boxes left. For a three-day hunt. Wow. But it was a big group. Your adrenaline's going. You know, there's 15,000 snow geese in front of you. You're not worried about your shoulder hurting. That's the last thing in your mind. But, like, a single would come in, and we gentlemen hunt singles and duos. So, you know, you start on one side of the blind. If they miss, the next person goes down and, you know, tries to clean them up. A single snow goose comes in after you, you know, you've volleyed into 15 or 20 groups of shooting 10, 15 rounds. You squeeze the trigger once or twice, and you're like, I hope somebody else hits it because I'm not pulling the trigger anymore. (laughs) Three inch isn't so bad, but like I said, I shoot three and a half. That kills your shoulder. I mean, even around here in September, we had that big 57 shoot, and we were in, like, T-shirts. You send that many rounds out for geese, your shoulder hurts. There's no if and a bunch of bottles. Absolutely, and it's making me cringe a little bit. I'm still, uh, I still deal with a lot of trouble from a football injury that I had in high school. And you know, if I let it go too long, any kind of jarring and jostling around that I get, man, it can it can flare me up, and I can I can be laid up and be hurting for a while. And the thought of flinging uh, somewhere between ten and twenty five rounds in a shot with a semi-automatic three and a half inch, man, that might be uh, maybe cause for bad. But I tell you what, I'd be a glutton for punishment. I'd probably just keep doing it because it would be so much fun. Yeah, you, you don't realize it until it's starting to get to the end. Like, I know when we were that hunt was something I will never forget, ever. We, I just bought I bought two A-frames and two other guys bought one each. You know, they were brand new in the package. We hurried up. We stayed up all night brushing these things in. We had four A-frames. We had 11 or 12 guys. Like It was a hunt. And we stayed up all night. I turned around from my buddy's house, which was not very far from where we were hunting, where we were blinding everything in. I drove to my house, got my gun, got my camo, turned around, drove right back and got the line. And it was two minutes after shooting, Mike, seven pack came in. We mopped all seven up. And it was, for the first probably ten volleys, I don't think a single bird left the spread. I mean, if it came in, it died. And then it was like, let's start getting the count. And it was starting to get into the 30s and 40s. And we're like, this, this, we might shoot an 11, 12 man. And it, it was probably, we had, I mean, it was gentleman hunt. We had two singles come in. We had two young kids with us. And I'm like, go ahead, shoot them. If you guys miss, we'll clean them up for you. And if they, you know, if they didn't kill them, we'd kill them. So it was, we had, there was a house actually behind us. And they, I don't think they knew we were hunting the next day, but the house we had permission from knew. So we, you know, that first seven pack came in, we cut loose on them and it woke them up. So they came out, they were sitting on their front porch, about 75 to 100 yards behind us, drinking coffee, watching us just massacre these things. We, we had one sale, 
sail into their front yard where we were hunting at. And they're like, hey, we got one down here. We got a hold of them for you guys. We're like, yeah, we'll come down and get them in a minute. Let's pick, we got to pick up 25 birds that are dead in front of us. And then the guy walked up and he's like, man, you guys put on a hell of a show. It's almost like watching a hunting show. So that was. <laughs> Yeah, that was a pretty- not too many times you can get a live hunting show in place. I know last uh, I know last year when we talked, you told me about uh, taking some new people and some younger kids and stuff, and you know, going forward into this season, are you doing any of that, or is there any any specific hunts or time frames you're just looking forward to a little bit more than uh, than any other? Uh, the first day is always. I mean, it's it's always a good hunt. Last year we had we had probably 250 birds on this loaf pond and. Somebody beat us to him and jump shot him in the morning. But even though we were there all, all you know, we, we camped out in this field to make sure nobody beat it. And we had one bird show up. We sat all day. We killed one can of the goose with 11 guys. Like, we figured it was going to be just a massacre. But we had uh, two kids. They hunted with us the last two years, and they're hooked on it. Like, his, their older brother is the one, one of our staff guys. And he, he's going to be like, I'm going ice fishing. And we're like, no, you're not. Like, we have a big goose feed. And... One of his brothers, which was the two youngest kids, hears about it. And he's like, no, you're not going ice fishing. You're taking me goose hunting. So then they come, they drag him out of bed to come out and sit with us. And we always do pretty good when they come with us. But um, we're going to try to do a ladies shoot this year, I think. We're going to have all of our wives and girlfriends and fiancés and all that. We're going to come out and run the calls, and they're going to run the guns and see, see what happens. I, I feel like that's too much opportunity for good content for PA boys then. What the woman's hunt? Yeah, <laughs> I know. My only she's half decent with a shotgun. Like she can hit probably five out of ten clays. So, but they're seven and a half low brass. They're not three and a half inch double B in six degree and forty mile an hour winds. Like that, that'll make you a man if you. I, I know you've sat out in the tree stand when it's that cold. And you, it really makes you question if you should should still be sitting out there doing it. But it's it's a hit and miss. Some of our you know some of our wives they don't hunt. But they bought licenses just to hunt me. I bought her a duck, a twenty gauge duck gun this year. She's like, I want to try duck hunting. So we'll we'll see. I know some of them they've never, you know, they've shot a gun, but they're not like like my old lady. She deer hunts, so she knows what hunting is like. But like one of the other kids, not probably has touched a gun one time, but she wants, you know, all the girls are gonna be out, so it gives, and they're all friends, so it gives them all something to do. It might be a ride. It might be, a, you know, it might get western. It might turn into a a ten, eleven man limit. So if they, you know, say if there's five of them and they shoot their, I don't know, we'll just say it's late season. So they'll shoot their twenty five geese, and we still got geese coming in. We'll just switch spots. We'll take our guns back and we'll cut loose and see what happens out of it. But it's all dependent on the birds. Might not be nothing. Just might make them sit out there and suffer like the rest of us during cold winter days. Yeah, because I've I've been in those situations where. You know, I, I told you before this, like, I, I love deer hunting. You know, if, when it's, if I don't have a buck shot, you know, going out duck or goose hunting is not on my mind until my buck tag is filled. And then uh, I've had those times where I do go duck and geese hunting. And if you get an adrenaline packed moment, it's like, man, that's why I wanted to do this. This is awesome. But there's so many other times and it's, it's the same as deer hunting. You go, what am I? It questions yeah. your sanity so much, and for me, it's harder because I think I'm out here doing this for a stinking bird. <laughs> yeah, last year, where it was right around Christmas, and we had like eight inches of snow. The wind was blowing fifty-five mile an hour, like it was nasty. And they're like, "I don't think we're gonna hunt tomorrow, guys." And I'm like, "If I can get the trailer down the road, we're gonna hunt." 
and I think four guys showed up, and we shot a four-man limit in maybe an hour. I mean, it was it was brutal. I looked like the marshmallow man. I had every piece of sick clothing, sweat. I was, I mean, I was probably six, ten inches thick everywhere, mm. and it was hard to shoot a shotgun because there's so much bulk. But I mean, we did good. It just you know, it's like a, I tell people are like, "Well, I, you know, I'm a deer hunter. You get that one big adrenaline rush." As soon as you shoot that deer, I get that 15 or 20 times all day long. So it's, you know, I, I, I prefer to do something over deer hunting. Don't get me wrong, I still like shooting a big buck, but I get that adrenaline rush 15 to 20 times, you know, every time geese are locked up and I squeeze the trigger, it's like, here we go, we're going to do this again. And it's just back and forth. Sure, <laughs> sure. Good. You're going to have to come out with us this year. You didn't come out last I, year. I know. That, hey, this is what I will tell you. If you want to expand on any kind of activity that is not related to work or family, um, don't get married and have kids. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I say that with love because I would not change my life for any other way. But, man, it is tough, um, you know, trying to, to plan out stuff like, you know, perfect example, um, this fall um, I was I was trying to figure out some time frames when I'd like to go hunting and I just have to to schedule times when I can possibly go based on uh what the family schedule is like and and like for many listening that might sound normal for me it's it's still fresh and it's it's just the new normal for me and uh that could be interesting and then the other thing too is uh you put that strain on uh, family and everything else when when you do go and you're trying to push hard and accomplish your goals and then to say oh and by the way I, I also I'm going to go goose hunting this year too um, that that's it's well but no it's still on my mind I'd still really like to come out um, I and uh, I guess because I, I can tell you I haven't been waterfowl hunting of any kind for at least five to seven years and uh Man, I can't say I've ever had any really, really overly exciting hunts. I've I've killed a couple birds and had some fun times, but yeah, never had those spreads that just make you go, "This is why we goose hunt," or "This is why we duck hunt." Absolutely. She thinks it's the dumbest thing in the world. She's like, you know, I give you guys a whole bit. I took her out putting trail cameras up, and we have 450 acres, and we have probably 10 trail cameras up, and you know, bag of corn for each camera. So that's 50 pounds you got to carry. 600 yards through the thicket whatever like I give you guys a whole new layer you know level of credit for this stuff I said this isn't even the hard part we know where the cameras are at or all we gotta do is carry the stuff there I said the real hard part is when you're out in the field at you know 12 o'clock at night setting 40 dozen decoys it's 6 degrees and it's blowing 50 mile an hour you're like this is dumb and then it all comes together the next morning and you're like man I can do that every day so it's just yeah, I've never gone to the I've never been an experience like that what I would call the, the top end as far as major decoy sets and stuff like that so that definitely be beyond my radar but we'll uh, we'll wrap it up and hopefully we can uh, do something like that and make another podcast out of it so hey anything you want to leave us with Garrett I think that's about it yeah good deal well hey everybody uh make sure you uh you follow pa boys on instagram and you guys don't have any other avenues of uh of media other than instagram right uh youtube facebook tiktok i mean you type pa boys up on pretty much any twitter or on every social media site gotcha 
good deal. We'll give uh, give those guys a follow. And uh, hey, uh, good luck with your uh, good luck with all your hunting this fall, man. You too, buddy.